Folktales and myths have always been an important part of the human story, and it is through them that we deliver messages and allegory. One of the major things that has changed for those of us in the technological age is that now, as opposed to being told person to person or through books, we get a lot of our stories through film. So today in this podcast, I wanted to do something special, and that is to focus on a brand new film, Hocus Pocus 2, and to bring forward some of the valuable magic lessons that we can find in it. Because guess what, friends? Movies like this are our teachers. And as I was very pleased sitting down last night, Hocus Pocus 2 is filled with all kinds of good stuff. So come on in for this fun episode of Crow Medicine, where we talk about the lessons we can learn in Hocus Pocus 2, including that sacred implements have sentience, not all witches are evil, and old school magic is the bomb. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Crow Medicine. It is me, your host, Katie Indy Crow. Today, we are going to do something that I hope you find is fun. I recently turned on Disney Plus, and to my joy, finally, Hocus Pocus 2 is out. And so last night, I hung out with my cats and did some knitting, and I watched it. And my goodness gracious, I loved it. And I loved it so much that I thought, hey, Maybe I'll bring it forward and talk about it in the podcast today because movies and films like Hocus Pocus serve a really valuable role in our society. One of the things that I used to study a lot as an anthropologist and that maybe people are becoming more familiar with now is the importance of folktales and the different kinds of stories that people tell folk ways amongst themselves about the world. And so like the Hans Andersen fairy tales is something that people probably know about as being really powerful, not only for entertainment, but also in terms of delivering messages about the world and delivering lessons to people in a way that was easy to understand, easy to remember, and fun. And so being a kid who was born in the mid-80s, I was a little girl when Hocus Pocus was first released in the 90s. And I am not a little girl anymore, but I still kind of am. And so Hocus Pocus And the movie series, Hocus Pocus, has served as a valuable cultural reference point for a lot of us to talk about and to experience and engage with some of the key themes that are invisible but also very visible in our lives. And so being a spiritual teacher, being somebody who spends so much time walking on the other side and dealing with some of the creepier or more magical things in life, I thought, you know, I'm going to just bring it forward and say, here are some of the top lessons that you can learn from Hocus Pocus, but most specifically, Hocus Pocus 2. So if you have not yet seen Hocus Pocus 2, there are going to be mild spoilers here. So a mild spoiler alert, I will separate every segment with a crow call. So you can look at the list and see if you want to skip over things or not. But For me, what I'm going to talk about today is really about the things and the key themes that we can stand to learn from, from movies like Hocus Pocus, that while certainly are entertaining, also help us to understand certain things about how the universe and how the realms and how the dimensions work. And I also just wanted to clarify a few points that I think sometimes the vilification of certain forms of people um, can create within society. And so 
Come on in, my friends, for a different Crow Medicine where today we talk about Hocus Pocus 2, what a great movie it was, but most importantly, the lessons that we can learn from it about how to operate in this world and the ways that things like the undead, um, psychic smelling, and sacred implements really work. Because guess what, my friends? This isn't just make-believe. Every single thing that they talk about and do in these movies is real life. <laughs> All right, let's get started with an easy one. And this is one really about believing the myths and the stories and the narratives that you hear about places and magical things and paying them some respect. <laughs> one of the things that you see a lot in Halloween movies, but also real life, is that people hold stories about places within them. And so in the case of the Sanderson sisters and the movie Hocus Pocus 2, the story is, of course, of how the Sanderson sisters were vanquished and the curse that they uttered upon their death and one of the main premises of the sanderson sisters ever being able to be able to come back and wreak evil and havoc again is that a virgin will have to incite them by doing magic a specific ritual involving lighting a black flame candle on all hallows eve and so as long as everyone can stay away from the black flame candle on All Hallows Eve and in particular virgins, just keep that not lit. You know, this town is going to be safe from the Sanderson sisters forever. You see the same motif in Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> so why did I bring this forward first? You know, as a spiritual teacher and as somebody who travels the world and the world, sometimes closing weird gates... Um, including ones right here in America and including ones related to stories like this. There is truth a lot of the time to stories that emerge about a place. And when the story continues for centuries, as would have been the case with the Sanderson sisters from the late 1600s, it tells us and it stays alive because it is there in some ways to keep us in place, to keep us protected and to keep us safe. One of the things that happens as we have moved along in the years is that folkways, moral, like the stories that we tell between one another, things like myth, like the word myth is almost viewed as secondary to history. One of the things that you learn as an anthropologist is that the stories that people tell and that are pervasive throughout the generations have power and meaning, not because they are false or because people are silly, but it's because they work and it's because they have held a certain role that is integral to the function of society. And so one of the things that has happened as we have moved ourselves away from being aware of the magical world is that places that have myths or stories associated with them or practices that have negative consequences potentially connected to them are sometimes or ignored, as was the case in Hocus Pocus 2 by the two young witches, because people don't quite get the seriousness of it. And so keeping it super light because this is about Hocus Pocus. In the case of Hocus Pocus, of course, the two girls go out and they light the candle and poof, of course, welcome back Sanderson sisters. It's 2022, although I think it was a few years before that when you recorded and they are back doing the exact same thing that they started with. Why did I put this as the number one point? Because <laughs> learning how to pay attention to a story and the reason that it exists is something that can be an important safety mechanism for life. You know, I go went hiking down to a portal to hell, like an actual real one recently, and it's actually got a story attached to it about an evil spirit living in specifically where the portal is. And that if you go in there, that that evil spirit will 
influence you. Believe it or not, people go in there all the time and they hang out and some of them even get drunk in there. And you know what I'm thinking? Like, don't really know what happens to you after that. But if I were you, I would listen to the myth. And I guess in this case, the main reason being, if somebody like me is being summoned down there to close a gate to hell, it is definitely not a place that anyone should be hanging out and specifically not doing things like drinking alcohol. And so, you know, maybe it's a black flame candle. Maybe it's not going to a place where the voice of an evil spirit is supposed to be able to influence you. Maybe it's about not picking up a sacred object. Maybe it's about not messing with a fairy ring. There are a lot of little rules like that that are in place that come with stories that tell us things about the magic world, and they really are worth listening to. All right, point number two. Souls are a valuable commodity. Take care of yours. <laughs> what makes me say that? All right, so as soon as the black flame candle is lit, and as soon as the three Sanderson sisters are back into this realm, into this time, into this reality stream, the first thing they go looking for, souls. And why do they need them? So that they're able to stay alive on planet Earth in this time and space beyond dawn. So why do I bring that forward as something that has something to teach us? Well, my friends, this is where it gets a little bit creepy, but also where just knowing a little bit about the importance of what your soul is comes to the forefront. It's interesting because as a spiritual teacher, I see that people's relationship to the word soul and the idea of soul is almost adversary at some points. And I think that that's because people are intuitively aware that there is something there and are in some ways resisting taking responsibility for their own because it means that they have to start being aware not only of their sacredness but also of some of the weird things that exist in the universe. At the beginning of October, I released an astrology report and I said that this is going to be a month where a lot of veils start being released. And one of the sets of veils that got placed on our reality was a veil on the interconnection between the magic world and the world of what we do and see and experience in, in every single day of our life. And um, one of the main things that has happened as a result of the separation of ideas of taking of, you know, you having a sacred connection to the universe or that being able to be played out here on earth and as you know being connected to ideas like that have been delegitimized on purpose and they have been attacked on purpose and one of the main things that that was all happening for was that people would forget their souls that people would forget their autonomy that people would forget that they are this beautiful thing inside there is a reason why early philosophers started talking about soul before anything else there is a reason why so many spiritual practices around the world have developed around taking care of yours there is a reason why you feel that connection to the universe and to the earth there is a reason why you're here and it all really relates down to your soul and your soul is a powerful source of energy and this is where you learn a little bit more about the universe. Very unfortunately, there are beings in this universe who shouldn't be. And what they use to stay here is other people's soul energy by and large. And so they will do things like try to attack people spiritually so that they never gain soul sentience. They will pretend that they are 
an energy or an entity or a spirit guide who is there to help them. But what they will actually do is actively latch onto you, attach to you, and use you as a way to maintain their presence on planet Earth. This sounds weird, but it is real. There are also negative energies and entities like the one that I talked about in the last one, the the demon in the in the cave of hell that are actually working to open portals to other worlds to hurt this one. And they're using little pieces that they collect from every single person who goes there to do it. And so one of the things that it this has a real life impact on is people who are having their souls drained or siphoned or on the other hand, people who just haven't activated theirs fully yet, you know, this isn't all negative. And that was the weird kind of part. Let's talk about it from an empowered perspective. Not everybody who isn't living in connection with their soul isn't living in connection to it because something bad has happened or they're afraid. They just haven't learned how to do it yet. And, you know, just take it for this. All of that power that people are willing to go through, all of the weird stuff to steal it from us, you know, they wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't something that was really valuable and special and sacred. And so one of the best things that you can do as a person who wants to succeed in this world and feel good and happy and grounded, and in particular, a person who wants to experience more magic or more of the other realms is to really get and get an idea about the importance of your soul and start bringing your soul and your soul's safety into the forefront. One of the big things that happens within the magic world, and I'm very much a part of it, is that there are practices and teachers and all kinds of beings that entice us to go do different stuff that's very, very dangerous without ever learning the basics of how to take care of and protect our souls. And so I'll see people being called by demons into places like that cave, thinking that they're going to do something good. And what they're doing is going in there to get a little piece of them eaten. And so again, that sounds really scary, but thank you, Halloween. And thank you, Hocus Pocus for giving me the opportunity to talk about, because you know what I mean? Like I said in the last one, if there's a myth about it and it's terrible, maybe be careful. And on the second one, just remember that you are a person who is a soul and that your soul is a valuable resource for you to harness and work with. But thanks to Halloween and the allegorical tales that these movies provide us, we also remember that as we heal this universe and as we shift out of the really terrible stuff that happened to it, some of these ne'er-do-wells are still around and some of them are still trying to gain relevance. And the best thing that you can do to just make sure you stay clear, calm, cool, and collected is start taking care of your soul and start taking your spiritual safety as a priority. <laughs> Point number three. Old school magic works. <laughs> As we progress through the movie, the Sanderson sisters have different kinds of spiritual and magical encounters with the young witches who are now part of this movie, and their names are Becca and Izzy. There is a third girl, but she's not involved at this particular point. And so to my joy, Becca and Izzy took it old school, and they did themselves some magic with a circle of salt and some smudge. Now, as anybody who is a practicing magic person knows, if there is negative energy in a space, it cannot cross salt. And one of the things that you are always able to do if you feel that you are being targeted by a negative energy or entity, if you're having a lot of nightmares, if you're scared, if you want to protect your home, is you can make a circle of salt all the way around the outside of it you can make one all the way around your bed. You can put it over at the at the base of your doors. You can do that to make sure that no energy that wishes you ill will enter into your space, whether you are awake or whether you're asleep, whether you are there or whether you are not. 
I like old school magic like that, that brings us into connection with the earth parts because the earth is here to protect us and the earth has the ability to repel the things that are not natural to it. And my, I'm just a person that enjoys working with that. And so on the same vein, throughout the course of the movie, the young girls are cursed by the witches, the older ones, the Sanderson sisters. And part of what they do to lift the curse is they get out their angelic root and they light it up and they do a big smudge. And the reason why I love that so much is, again, smudge and the different forms of plant medicine that they provide us, and that includes also things like essential oil, are extremely powerful ways that we are able to shift the negative energy that we encounter as a result of what we're doing. I know that there's going to be people who come to this podcast who are practicing people who do energy work like me and who have probably had negative things put to them. Now, that's not just energy work people who have negative things put to us. When a curse can happen, just when somebody hates you so much and thinks about it all the time, that that it actually can form layers of energy on you that puts you in a space where negative things happen over and over and over again, or where you're not able to achieve a certain goal or where you're not able to achieve a certain thing, a curse can become an energy wall that pushes people away from you. It can also be one that pushes you into a certain kind of action and or routinely takes different types of resources from you away. This is one of the reasons why it's so important for people to be of stand of sound mind and to stay in their high vibration. Nobody really wants, well, some people unfortunately want to hurt other people in this world. And some people unfortunately use magic to do that as well. It's not just negative intent. And so if you feel that you are being bothered by negative energy on any level, one of the best things you can always do is the salt thing, especially for people who have a lot of nightmares and the smudge thing and doing that on regular basis. But especially if you're hearing weird voices or you're feeling rattles inside of your body. And if you're already doing basic smudging and you're having long-term persisting issues doing things like herbal baths, with different types of properties like rosemary, like oregano, like mug, like there's all kinds of different properties that go along with every single different plant and look up what you have in your apothecary or think about doing some kind of intuitive connection work to what might work for you and then go ahead and get out and start getting your ritual together so that you can lift your curse because even if somebody has placed negative energy on you one of the things that we're doing with the shifting of the world order is that all of that stuff isn't supposed to actually stick (laughs) unless you have done something really negative yourself and it's in relation and you're in that lesson stream with that person and so in general the higher you raise your vibration And the more that you associate with people that have good morals and who have high integrity, the less you have to worry about that. (laughs) Point number four, sacred implements have sentience. My favorite part of Hocus Pocus 2 was when Book woke up and showed that Book had a personality and had some opinions on what type of magic Winifred should or should not do, as well as where Book would go when Winifred was no more. And I thought this was absolutely wonderful and is the takeaway happiest point of the whole entire movie. And that's that when a person works with a sacred implement, like a book, like a crystal, like a figurine, 
like a knitted tapestry that you're making for your altar, what you're doing is you are embedding your energy in it every time. And so the more that you connect with a crystal, with a sacred implement, anything that has meaning to you, the more that it holds your energy, but also the more that it can call forth, connect to and hold energy for you. Book does what book wants. Book stays awake when Winifred is not there. Book can move independently of Winifred. And like I said, book in this opinion, book, book in this movie shows opinions. And I have had a lot of similar interactions with my own crystals. And I know that some of you out there have as well. Sacred implements can talk to us. Part of the best part of being a magic person or being somebody that is connected to energy work and being aware of it is that there are metaphysical properties that come with different parts of the earth and different things that we can do with words and different things that we can do with plants. And the veil keeps us from realizing that. And so this is a simple point, but one that is powerful. And that is, if you would like to form more of a relationship with the sacred implements that you work with, beginning to realize that they have personalities too, and that their personalities show themselves in ways like when you feel like taking them somewhere or not, when you feel like cleansing them or not, or how you feel when you start working with them. These are all ways that they communicate to us. Now, some people hear their crystals in words, and I know that I do, but a lot of the time they work with us through our etheric senses and through subtle forms of communication. And so the more that you are able to get into your sacred self-connection and the more that you're able to kind of clarify and balance and clear your energy field, the more that you're going to be able to hear the changes with any piece or any instrument or any implement that you pick up and put into your hand, because it is a difference in your subtle energy body. It is a difference in your total energy body. And, you know, the, one of the nice things about a book or a crystal that you've had with you for 20, 30, 40, 100 lifetimes, years, you know, like years, lifetimes, whatever, is that they become a part of you and they become a part of your personality. And through getting to know them, you get to know yourself. So shout out to all of the sacred implement lovers out there. That one is for us. On to point five, which will be the final point for this conversation. And it's an important one to make. And that is that not all witches are evil. And not all people who do magic are doing it for bad reasons. At the same time, not all people who present themselves to be your friend on the spiritual path are. And not all people who show themselves to be people who are there to help you are. This brings together a couple of different points in the movie. Near the end of the movie, you see Sarah, Winifred, and Mary engage in a magic off with Becca, Izzy, and later on their friend Cassie. And so this includes some spoilers. But at the end of it, what happens is you see the Sanderson sisters representing the magic of taking, the energy of cursing, of doing negative things to people, wanting soul siphon, soul siphon energy to survive on the planet Earth. And then you see these other three who are working with their power of friendship to protect themselves from this common threat, which is the Sanderson sisters who are trying to take them out so that they'll be able to survive in the following day and then go ahead and take over Salem and do whatever evil things they might want to do for the rest of their lives. And I think that along the way, there's also the shopkeeper and his name is Gilbert. And earlier on in the film, Gilbert has shown himself to be a manipulative person. He gives the girls 
things that are supposed to be for them. But ultimately, what he was doing was feeding them material so that they would go ahead and go do a magic spell that he can't do himself. And so the reason why I'm bringing these things together is because magic and energy, it's kind of the same thing. And in my opinion, it is the same thing. We call it different stuff. But what it all is, is it's working with the metaphysical principles of our environment and of this world and of the scene and the unseen. And so there are all kinds of people who come to this type of activity. Some people are people like me. And we're working with these energies to first benefit and heal ourselves. And also then, of course, to heal the planet, which is my sacred promise and duty. Um, then there are some other people, like, unfortunately, that are not here to do nice things with it, even if they present themselves to be. So in the case of the example of Hocus Pocus 2, Gilbert is this awesome shop owner. He owns where the Sanderson sisters ca ca cabin is now. And so he sells crystals and he does all that kind of stuff. And he presents himself to be a friend to the girls at the beginning of the movie and gives them ultimately the black flame candle that they turn around and light because they're virgins. He's not a virgin. He can't light it himself. And so in the disguise of a benevolent friend, he ultimately encourages them to do something that leads the town into and them into what could be a potentially very dangerous path and as a spiritual teacher and as per also a seeker a person i before i learned my own discernment and skills had been led on a number of negative adventures and journeys um, by people like gilbert and i know that a lot of other people out there have been too and one of the reasons why i wanted to bring forward this point and, and I address this part first is to say just because somebody presents themselves in this realm or the other realm to be your friend. In my case, I had guides that I thought were my friends. They were not trying to guide me towards what was my best interest. They were guiding me towards what was going to support their order's objectives. And so once I noticed a few times that I would get really spiritually good and I would listen to my guides and really bad things would happen, I started asking the question, hey, do you have my highest harmonic freedom and autonomy path in your heart? Did you speak? And the answer was no. And so I very quickly learned how to listen to my soul instead of guides. And that's one of the main reasons that I did that is that spiritual trickery and energy trying to lead people down the wrong path, especially if you're a person who is a caretaker and who can help other people, is a very common thing. And I really appreciate that they put that in Hocus Pocus too, because I think it helps add that to the narrative that even though Gilbert seemed like a really cool, good guy, he was kind of a creep and a douchebag. And he, you know, he couldn't do the magic himself. So he had to manipulate a bunch of teenagers to do it. And that's kind of gross. And then on the other point, and I think this is a really important one too. Not all people who do energy or magic are weird and bad people. You know, the motif of the Sanderson sisters and why they were being hunted, right? It's during the witch hunts. And one of the premises behind the witch hunts, right, is that people who were doing magic were evil. And if you've read my book or been around my podcast, you know that like in the 1600s or in the 1400s through 1600s, 1800s, 1900s, we've been through a lot of very specific attacks against spirituality and most specifically against spirituality that related to the earth and connecting to yourself as your pure autonomy point. And like I said at other points, that's because negative energies and entities really did try to take over this world. And they really did try to get us to hurt each other and to hurt ourselves as a way to lower the vibration of the planet. And so in all of that, there was a genuine fear of magic and magic people that has come up. And I think other people have sole memory of meeting really bad sorcerers and sorceresses who have done really bad magic to the planet and they remember it. And so they fear it in general and turn themselves off to it and call it all dark sided. 
the other side of it is, however, that learning how to work with energy like connecting to your soul, learning how to do things like work with smudge and salt and working with the elements to protect yourself, learning how to take lessons from the myths that we hear, <laughs> like about the demon in the cave, um, and, and, and understanding that those are parts of the information that we can work with to keep ourselves safe in this world helps us to not feel that fear. So those are my thoughts on Hocus Pocus 2 and the power of allegory in that movie and some of the practical advice for real life safety we are able to take out of it. I am a Halloween nude, nude nerd and a big time spooky person. And so if you would like me to review another movie this month, I would be happy to come on over to my blog, www.crow-medicine.com. Check me out on Instagram at Crow Medicine Katie or at Katie Indie Crow. You can find me on Facebook at Crow Medicine with Katie. I've been thinking about perhaps Halloween Town or Ernest Scared Stupid. Otherwise, I would love if you are a new listener to like and subscribe to this podcast. I am going to be telling some spooky stories for the rest of the month of October because I have a creepy life. And so thanks so much for tuning in. It is my joy to talk about one of my favorite movies and now my favorite second in the sequel. Hope you love Hocus Pocus 2 and would love to hear your thoughts about it. 